my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Ian Hayworth from The Daily Wire. Um, it's always a great time talking to Ian. And uh, you guys know uh, what, what we discussed on the show today. We, we covered the latest in the ongoing debacle in Afghanistan. Uh, try to cover it from, from every angle we could think of. Um, yeah, before I get to Ian, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved with what we have going on over here, uh, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, how have you been, man? I'm doing well. The uh, news cycle kind of gave me whiplash. It was a little boring. You know, we got the promised boring Joe Biden for a few weeks, and then he blew that out of the water with everything in Afghanistan. So a bit much, a bit much. It's, it's only been seven months. <laughs> I mean, how much have we it's only aged? three years, five months left. <laughs> I mean, how much have we aged in the last seven months trying to cover Joe Biden? My goodness. Like so the story in gray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everybody knows where we need to start, obviously. Um, originally, the White House and the Pentagon said there were somewhere, this is over the weekend on Sunday, they said there were somewhere between three to 5,000 American citizens still in Afghanistan. Yesterday, they came out and said that there's actually somewhere between ten to 15,000 American citizens in the country still. Um, there's currently no plan to evacuate uh, the American citizens who are outside of Kabul. Um, the State Department issued a, a a letter yesterday telling Americans to uh, attempt to get to the Kabul airport, but said they can't guarantee their safety en route. And and like I said, that there's no plan currently to evacuate Americans who are outside of the capital. Um, Ian, this disaster could get a whole lot worse real quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we're only at the beginning. If you imagine the complete breakdown of the country in such a short amount of time, you've got Joe Biden lying to the country saying they planned for every contingency even though he said constituency he planned for every contingency and yet they clearly haven't the fact that they are they they were taking troops out before civilians says everything you need to know about the biden administration in terms of their military planning i think you and i were chatting before you said this is the the worst military disaster in modern history i think that's hard to disagree with we're just watching a complete collapse of sanity in real time yeah you're absolutely right i, I can't think of another inter- instance in modern history where any country uh, just pulled out the, the, their military presence before evacuating civilians. I mean, it's like, I, I'm no, <laughs> I never served in the military and like, I'm no, you know, t- genius military strategist or something, but my goodness, I mean, you, you pull, <laughs> you, you, you pull the civilians out first and then the troops. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand the timeline here. It's, 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 it's remarkable. I, I, I can't think of another military operation botched this badly, at least in, in recent memory. Well, it's like that uh, logic game. You know, when you have interviews or at your school, it's like, okay, you have like a chicken and a fox and you have a river. You've got to get them across. How do you do it? 
Like Joe Biden is the guy who puts the chicken and the fox in the boat and just pushes it out to sea. Like that's just <laughs> what Joe Biden is doing. It's unbelievable. And I think if people don't wake up to the fact that he is mentally unwell at this point, that he could do this against the advice of most of his military advisors, by the way, he just said, nope, we're going to do it. And this is the result of having someone who is not mentally sound at the White House. Like we yes, are seeing it yes. and it's going to be bloody and deadly. Yes. I mean, this this is... That is the conclusion that I've come to in the last 72 hours or so, that this went off the rails because Joe Biden is unfit for office. I think that is the bottom line here. The man has dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever it is. No president, and this, is, and this might ruffle some feathers, but I don't think any president with their faculties would have pulled the troops out without evacuating civilians first, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and not even to mention our, our Afghan allies, obviously, but I'm just talking about the American citizens. And I, I have to imagine, as awful as she is on everything, Kamala Harris would have at least casually asked the, the Joint Chiefs, so, you know, how are we going to pull our people out? How, how are we going to get our people out? I, a President Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders would have would have done better than this. He would have told the, you know get the civilians out first, and then let's 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 bring the boys home. Obama, any anybody anybody like think of like the worst politician, the, the, the politician you hate the most. Any anybody, any any president with a brain would 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 withdraw civilians before military personnel. Joe Biden's always been a dullard. He's always been an idiot and a corrupt politician. Joe Biden's never understood foreign policy. And he's still all of those things, plus he can't think anymore. Okay, and this is what we mean. This is what guys like you and I mean when we say elections have consequences. If you put a mentally handicapped man in the White House, people die because the president has way too much power. If you put a man who can't think in that chair, people die. Well, I wrote an uh, an article for the Daily Wire in October just putting this very simple argument out of when it comes to domestic policy, the president really doesn't matter all that much, but... In terms of foreign policy, the president is basically everything. And yeah. even with presidents, as you said, that we we despise, like Barack Obama ran on pulling out of Afghanistan and didn't do so because he knew that this would be the result. Like, he's not a stupid person. Joe Biden is just a stupid person. The fact that he could look at the facts on the ground, the fact that the Taliban are obviously resurgent. He told them, we are going to leave by X date, so please don't attack us then. And just even the manner of the withdrawal, the way we're basically begging the Taliban not to attack civilians on the way out. It's like negotiating with our backs to the wall. It's absolutely pathetic and such a slap in the face to the thousands of brave men and women who risked their lives and gave their lives in defense of any any elements of this region. I think it's absolutely disgusting. And I think it's just a matter of great, utter shame. I don't think Joe Biden should ever be allowed to recover from. No, I mean, the fact that there hasn't been bipartisan calls for him to resign is telling, you know, it, it doesn't say anything good about where we're at as a country. Um, it, it's, it's amazing that Republicans in Congress haven't already, I, I think they're both houses of Congress are in recess right now, but they should come back and start drawing up articles of impeachment. Um, but I'll tell you what, I mean, of course, any American citizen who dies and there will be American deaths. Um, unfortunately, I just don't see a way around that at this point. All that blood is obviously on Joe Biden's hands, but this is, this is also on the press. This is on the press. I mean, the the press whipped up the country into such a frenzy over Orange Man Bad. They hated Donald Trump so much that they lied the American public. They they convinced the Democratic Party to elect a mentally handicapped man. They thought they knew. These guys. I mean, you think George Stephanopoulos doesn't know 
that this man is is unfit for office mentally? You think <clears> these guys didn't know for the last two years that this man was unfit for office? They hate Republicans so much that they lied Joe Biden into office, and now we're seeing the consequences. I, I know I always bring everything back to the press, but it's like if we had a real press, Joe Biden wouldn't be president, and these people wouldn't be dying. There wouldn't be— yeah. Our, our, our Afghan allies hanging onto the outside of jets and falling to their death to try to escape the Taliban. This is on Joe Biden. This is also on the, his enablers, his enablers in the corporate mm-hmm. press that put him there, that whipped up the American people into a frenzy. It's on them, too. The blood is on is on, on journalists' sands as well. Well, especially as the collapse has been so immediate. It's not like we've seen a withdrawal and then a few months later, this is slowly flooded in. It was almost at the click of a finger where he decided he was going to withdraw, they withdrew, like they just abandoned an airfield, basically giving the Taliban an air force, for goodness sake. And this is the result. It's so obvious. Anyone with any semblance of a working brain can see that if you just put these certain pieces together in this certain order, this is going to be the result. And mm-hmm. as you say, like everyone has to look at themselves in the mirror and decide what really matters when it comes to a president. Like Democrat or Republican, this is really a bipartisan issue of you need someone with a working brain, because otherwise you have disasters like this. Real people get hurt. These are human beings we're looking falling from the planes. I think the, the fact that this isn't blowing everyone's mind is so shocking that people are so terrified of the regime under the Taliban that they're willing to cling to a plane. It says everything about Joe Biden's foreign policy. And that should that should destroy him. That, that should destroy his presidency. He should not be in the White House anymore. If Donald Trump did something like this, can you can you imagine the whiplash back? I don't have a lot of confidence in American voters, but there's no way, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no with the images of these people clinging to the outside of C-17s falling to their deaths. It, the image of these people trying to bum rush these these jets like like something out of World War Z or something. There's no way somebody like that could get reelected. I mean, there's no way that a party that would nominate somebody like that can can maintain the House and the Senate next year. There's just no way. Like, I have to, I have to think that the American public is smarter than that. They can see through this this nonsense. I have to. I mean, there's no, I think, how, how does a man, how, how do you recover from something like this? Especially, I mean, especially if things unfortunately get worse in a way that I think you and I probably, you know, would probably say they, they probably will. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You're talking about somewhere between ten and 15,000 Americans behind enemy lines. I don't know how you get them all out. You know, and there's thousands outside of Kabul, by the way, and with absolutely no evacuation plans. So it's like how I don't know how we get out of this without significant loss of American lives. And there's no way Joe Biden can recover from that. Well, I'd like to agree with you, but according to at least some recent poll data, a lot of uh, the majority of Democrats are still in favor of withdrawal, even with these consequences. And so I think that really does worry me a lot, given that you can look at these kind of out outcomes and yet you can still think it was the right decision that is it's, such a, uh, a simpleton i'm, I'm worried that's I'm such worried. a it's such a s- smooth brain simpleton's view of the world i like dude look i'm a libertarian i I've, I've advocated for pulling the troops out of all these countries for years and years i mean since i started this podcast and i i don't want any military presence in afghanistan but this is the way he handled this is the worst he possibly could if, if he would have done anything different if he would have stuck with Trump's agreement with the Taliban to, uh, you know, to pull people out over the course of this spring and, and then remove the troops uh, by May 1st, that would have avoided this catastrophe. If he would have just simply, if he wanted to push the, the, the withdrawal date back 
for some reason, just to not be Donald Trump, I guess. He just wants to do the opposite of whatever Trump's doing. If, if he just wanted to push it back to avoid following the Trump plan, push it back to October, <laughs> where it's it's winter in Afghanistan and the Taliban shuts it down for, you know, four or five months. I, it's like it, it, he could have done either one of those things, still withdrawn the troops and avoided all this unnecessary loss of life. It's like it just he just he picked the worst possible timing, the worst possible plan of ed- I mean I can't even call it a plan. There was no plan. There was no evacuation plan. It's like I don't know how anybody, whether you're a libertarian, whether you're a leftist, whether you're a conservative, I mean it's like whether you want troops in Afghanistan or you don't want troops in Afghanistan. He picked the worst possible option. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's undeniable and really this all comes down to optics. All Joe Biden wanted was a win. That's what he was looking at this as. I want to bring them all home by September 11th. Why September 11th? There's no strategic desi- um, reason for that date more than just you want the image of it. That's all Biden wanted. He just wanted this celebratory win. And that's just insane. I Yeah, just real quick. I've never understood that, the September 11th date. I mean, it seems like, I don't know. That, that, look, whenever we moved, removed our, our troops from from Afghanistan, eventually the Taliban was going to take over. I, obviously, nobody expected, well, I don't know. None, none of us expected it to, to be this quick. It looks like more and more coming out from the, the military intelligence showing that they all kind of knew <laughs> and just lied to the American people about it. But, um, like, I don't even know, why, why would you want images of the Taliban taking Kabul on the 20th anniversary of 9-11? Like, I never understood why that was, <laughs> he thought that would look good. Like, I, I don't, I I, I can't even put myself in that in that line of thinking. I don't know why he decided to push it back from May to September. I, I, I've never understood that. Well, I think I think it all comes down to a fundamental misunderstanding of really radical Islam and military Islam that the West just suffers from is that they they have this impression that you can negotiate with them, that they respect any deal you present, any agreement. They just don't care. They especially in Afghanistan, they have people living in caves for hundreds of years. They live in a completely different world than us. And the idea that even now they're trying to negotiate with them, oh, they're going to give safe passage to civilians. They're going to respect women's rights. Like, if you believe a single thing, they say, you are a moron. It is just absurd. It's like people are living in two completely different realities. And someone like Joe Biden thinks you can even, I mean, I felt this when Donald Trump did it too. The fact you can even negotiate with someone like the Taliban is just a joke on its face. And the fact that now we are trying to negotiate when we have effectively lost, like Joe Biden has created a situation where we are seen as fleeing the country. And he thinks now we can still negotiate with them. It's it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It is. It's I don't Watching the White House and, and our diplomats giving these bizarre like quote-unquote harshly worded statements to the Taliban is pretty rich. I mean, it's like these people are beheading our allies on the streets, interpreters and, and, and military personnel that assisted the U.S. military. They're just beheading people and raping women and, and all that. And then the the White House is issuing statements like, I, I don't know, you, you boys better behave. You know, just side note, I mean, this is another thing that libertarians have been right about for the last 20 years is that, I mean, you know, I, boy, oh boy, I really do wish there were more of these secular dictators that we killed in charge of these countries because— they were they sure were awful, but you could actually they, they cared about power and they cared about remaining rich and powerful and, and in charge of their countries, not so much like the spread of radical Islam and stuff like that. Like you could actually mm-hmm. negotiate with a Saddam Hussein. You know, you could actually negotiate with uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Actually, we did negotiate Muammar, uh, 
uh, Gaddafi. He gave up his chemical weapons and his nuclear program. We killed him anyway. But it's like, that's the thing. And when, when people say, oh, we got to kill Assad because he gassed his people, it's like, dude, you can negotiate with a guy that shaves his chin and puts on a three-piece suit in the morning, man. You cannot negotiate with the, the quote-unquote moderate rebels for basically al-Qaeda. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I don't understand why there's this urge to depose these secular dictators when it's like the alternative is the Taliban and like the Free Syrian Army and stuff like that. that that's a side note. Absolute side note. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Um, but so... And we'll disagree on this, but I want to give you a, a second to make your case. You know, you, you're in the camp that um, that that believes we should have left the, the 2,500 or 3,500 troops, however many we had in there, um, indefinitely in in Afghanistan. And I will, before I let you make your case, I will say that like the libertarian side has not done a very good job at speaking precisely about what was going on. You know, there was a. It's not like U.S. troops were, you know, in active wartime situations in Afghanistan anymore. The last uh, U.S. soldier to die in Afghanistan died 18 months ago. So it isn't like, you know, our, our boys were getting slaughtered over there and we just needed to get them out. That, that's not exactly what was happening. I still agree that we needed to get out of Afghanistan. But make your case that we should have left a, a small contingent of soldiers in Afghanistan for the time being. Well, I think this is all comes down to what you think uh, military action and foreign policy is for. And right. I'm I'm not in favor. I think you and I are going to agree. I'm not in favor at all on the nation building aspect. I think that's dumb. I don't think that's our job. I think that's like an imperialist uh, notion that is not anyone's job to decide. Basically, one country has to be a, be a democracy now. It's never going to work. So I think I, I want to reject that premise. I think that's what a lot of people assume when I say that I think we should have stayed is that, oh, you want a nation build. You want to build democracy. It's like, no, I don't care about that, really. I think democracy is great but you can't force it upon people. Certainly not people who've lived in caves for a thousand years and think women are property. They're not going to wake up one day and think, oh, actually, women are property. That's really not how that works. Right. The way I look at it is I think the the strength of the U.S. military and our technology is such that it is a small investment to have a couple of thousand military members in any place where we could be threatened in the long term. I think that's a, a necessary and worthwhile sacrifice to prevent uh, terrorist acts that could occur down the line. So yes, ideally you don't want soldiers having to face risk anywhere. But if it takes, say, two to four thousand in Afghanistan, the same in Iraq, same in all all manner of countries, we're in a, over a hundred countries across the world. If that means that through airstrikes, through coordinated special forces units, and through some support of the forces there, we can prevent the growth of groups like ISIS, groups like Al Qaeda. If we can do that and we prevent civilians in the United States from being flown into into skyscrapers, I think that's worthwhile. Really, my foreign policy is kill the people who want to kill you. That's that's really what it comes down to for me. And how is it best to do that? Should we retreat, wait to be attacked and then blow the absolute living shit out of them? Or should we have small forces all over the place so that we can basically undermine the effort to grow a significant enough threat against us? So that's really my my position. But again, nothing to do with nation building. I don't think that should ever be in the goal in Afghanistan. And uh, I think that's that's a very naive way of looking at the world. And I think naivety and foreign policy just don't mix. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you agree on the nation building point. I think I'd say 99 percent of people, um, everybody who doesn't work at the Pentagon, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> or work for Northrop, Northrop Grumman and, and Lockheed Martin and, and, and the military industrial complex, they love nation building. But I, I just think, I mean, for, for that to work, for that strategy to work, you, you you almost have to say you're okay with leaving U.S. military personnel in Afghanistan literally forever. 
Because the yes. fact that the Afghan military was unable to function without the U.S. military's assistance proves to me that we should have been out of there a long time ago. I mean, and, and just a side note, a lot of people are making the case that the Afghans are cowards and they gave up, and, and that's not fair at all. I mean, the Afghan army, they lost something like 60,000 soldiers in battle. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a lot of loss, and, and, you know, they're obviously not cowards. But after 20 years of training and tens of billions of dollars of weapons and equipment, there's, they weren't anywhere near capable of defending themselves. I mean, they, they weren't even, you know, they, they could not function. The Air Force shut down five seconds after we pulled the plug, and they just had no—it was a complete organizational breakdown. After, I mean, 20 years is a long time, man. You know, it was, it was something like $100 billion of equipment that, that we gave them. It was just not going to happen. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen in Afghanistan. I mean, you're talking about a country comprised of, of over a 1,000 different tribes. I mean, they like— you know, people don't understand Afghanistan. Afghanistan is not a real country. You know, it was cobbled together, no pun intended, by by Europe and the United States after World War One, and they have no national identity. They, it's their citizens are about a thousand different tribes run by these warlords that don't like each other, and it was just it was a fool's errand to try to put together the central government and all that. And I know you agree with that, but it's like just the fact that they militarily weren't able to defend themselves. After 20 years of U.S. training and equipment, when they outnumbered the Taliban more than three to one, I mean, it's like you'd have to say, yes, I'm okay with leaving 5,000 troops there literally forever. And it's like, I just don't think, I don't think that's right, morally speaking. I don't think that that's what normal countries should be doing. Like, we can't just say we're going to leave people in a war zone forever. It's just not realistic. We're $30 trillion in debt. Our cultural fabric is falling apart here stateside right before our very eyes. Like, we have some we have some serious problems we need to attend to. We're, we're looking at hyperinflation coming down the pike here. So it's like I'm not willing to say, yes, we're going to leave military personnel in anywhere indefinitely. I just don't think that's fair to our military. I don't think that's fair to the taxpayers. Um, and I just don't think— there was ever a, n- a number of years where the Afghan army was going to be able to stand on their own two feet. I just don't. Th- I think it, it's proved that they just were never going to be capable of of defending their country. Well, I think two things to say there. I think one, I think we got to the the real nub of the issue, which is like I am okay with leaving people there indefinitely. I think that's the sort of the yes no part of our our debate, where I think it's great we got to that quickly. I think one thing though people need to understand with the collapse of the Afghan military is that I, I don't really support growing other people's militaries like we did i think we we poured so much money into it but we also made them so dependent on u.s support at the same time so yes we trained them yes we gave them all this equipment but we also made them heavily reliant on u.s air support which biden pulled out just basically overnight including technical support so i heard reports that um people trying to keep the afghan air force going for maintenance were having to have zoom calls with american contractors to try and work out how to fix apache helicopters like if that's the situation you're going to create, that's obviously not the whole picture. There are many reasons why their military collapsed. But I, I don't think it's right to basically try and buy other people's military. But also, if you're going to do that, which I don't think we should, but if we're going to, you need to do it so it's independent. You can't be there. You're going to have to rely on us forever. And if we go away one day, you're basically useless. That's just a waste of money, if anything, let alone lives. And so yeah. I think there's many colossal failures here, but on a high level. I think I'm in favor of doing things better, but I think I would rather have people there if it means forever than forever. I'd rather have that than the inevitable terrorist attacks, which will happen, not just in the region, but it's only a matter of time, especially with open border policies right now, that it happens in the US again. And then unfortunately, it's a very reactionary cycle where 
people tend to forget about terrorism until they are the ones at risk. And then suddenly it's this terrifying thing. We must do something about it. It's a balancing act, though. It's a balancing act. I mean, there I is agree. there is something to be said about, you know, fight them over there so that you don't have to fight them here. And I understand that. I'm not so naive that I, I don't understand that that is sometimes true. But um, there's the, there, it, blowback is real also. I mean, that that is real, too. I mean, if you look at the amount of civilians that have died as collateral damage um, in these wars, we've created a lot of terrorists, too, man. We've created a lot of terrorists. I mean, we, we starved 500,000 women and children to death through the blockade in the 1990s in Iraq. 500,000 women and children died due to our blockade. That created a lot of Islamist terrorists. Okay, in the in the ba- in the you know, the major battles in Iraq, especially you know, Battle of Baghdad and 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 Ramada. I mean, there was a, a ton of civilian casualties due to U.S. bombs that created a lot of terrorists too. So it's like if we're fighting them over there. We're also accidentally killing women and children at the same time. And if if your sister or your mother or your 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 daughter dies in a a, a war with a, a foreign country, and you are also might be a little crazy or you might believe a, a radical version of Islam, I don't know, man. You're gonna join ISIS. <laughs> you're gonna join ISIS. So like, there is that balancing act. We can't, you know, people made fun of Ron Paul. Like, oh, blowback isn't real. What are you talking about? Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. What if it were happening here? What if another culture came here and was fighting proxy wars here and, and all that, and and your your mother was killed? Well, when you grow up, you're gonna get an AK-47, and you're gonna do something about it. So it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know which is worse. I don't know which is worse: leaving the Middle East to their own devices and hoping that Al Qaeda doesn't come back, or or you know, collateral damage creating enemies of the United States. I mean, like either one is plausible. Both things happen. So it's like, I, I don't, there's no data. Like, we can't look at, there's no charts and graphs to read to say which one's worse, which one creates more terrorism. I think, as you said, it's a balancing act, because I'm certainly not in favor of remaining in countries and just bombing the hell out of places. I think we're also going to see now the result of pulling out is that there's no such thing as a good American ally anymore, because the United States is trying to <laughs> turn off every single ally we have, whether it be in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, or in Afghanistan. So I think it's definitely a balancing act. I think technology has advanced to the point now where we can be much more targeted. There is not the same need to just carpet bomb places that people claim there used to be. And so I think I would sort of push back against the idea that staying means mass murder. I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. Um, but I definitely accept that it's a balancing act. And I wouldn't be on the side of the people who just want to carpet bomb any place that may be harboring terrorists. I think it has to be a balancing act because otherwise we are not showing a value for human life, not just American life, but human life across the world. I think that's also a very important thing we have to remember and why we should be caring so much about what's going on in Afghanistan right now that people seem to be forgetting about. Like All these images are real human beings, like real people yes. with real value just as much as you and I and the fact that it's just accepted because Joe Biden wanted a win that now we're going to have women beheaded, raped, men thrown off buildings, people falling from planes, it's, people just need to remember humanity again. I think there's a very, very worrying trend of people, if it's kind of beyond the reach of your your eyes, where it's, oh, it's the other side of this wall, or the other side of this border, or the other side of the sea, it simply doesn't really matter, it's not real. I think we need to return to a time where we realize that, you know, people are people. <laughs> and I think we need to start with that premise rather than anything else. Yeah, I mean, the the 20 plus years, really a lot longer than that, but of American politicians viewing human beings across the world as just pieces on a chessboard, man. That, mm-hmm. it, that's, it's evil. It's despicable. 
and it needs to end. Um, on a lighter note, uh, we've got to move on here at some point. So <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I have to say uh, the uh, the uh, Iraq veteran eighty eight eighty eight. He's a, if you're a gun guy, you know who he is. He's a big gun reviewer on YouTube. He pointed out this morning that we do finally have an answer to the age-old gun debate. Would you rather have an M4 or an AK-47? Um, the Taliban, <laughs> the Taliban, <laughs> answered that question because they uh, they were stoked to get, to, to get their hands on a bunch of free uh, M4s and M16s. So, I think we can end the debate, man. The M4 is better than the AK. At least says the Taliban. The, 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 and they, they know the Taliban, the ultimate gun reviewers. Hey, they, are, they are fans. <laughs> if you give a crazy, you know, terrorist goat farmer the an option of an M4 or an AK, I mean, they reached right for the M4, man. Debate over. <laughs> Can't wait for that YouTube channel. God bless America. Anyway, so Joe Biden <laughs> is doing a COVID speech this afternoon. So, uh, hooray. Uh, Afghanistan Thank doesn't goodness. matter anymore. Yeah. I mean, dude, look. There's ten to fifteen thousand American citizens trapped in a war zone. Nobody really knows, and it's COVID time. <laughs> Apparently, the 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 White House and the corporate press they think they can distract us. They think they can play the greatest hits, all, all the the COVID classics. Uh, people do not take the bait. Well, we're five minutes away from people blaming DeSantis for what's going on in Afghanistan, so <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, Why it's... would DeSantis do this? <laughs> oh man, I saw tweets going around saying. A bunch of lefties were like, I'd rather live under the Taliban than under Ron DeSantis. It's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I, b- believe me. Also, you wouldn't. live. You <laughs> wouldn't live under the Taliban. <laughs> yeah, it's man. Kind of, it's kind of, it's in the words, guys. So CNN and MSNBC this morning, they were only talking about COVID. The memo went out. The Joe Biden memo went out. You know, Jen Psaki emailed her, her buddies in the corporate press. We're done. No more Afghanistan. You know, don't, don't look at the man behind the, the curtain. You know, we'll go back to COVID. So that, it answers another debate. How long are journalists capable of journalism? About 72 hours. It's just enough to tick the box that they acknowledge this happening because yeah. they had to in this case. Yeah. And then it's straight back to, to COVID. Of course, you know, no one's criticizing the Taliban for the shocking lack of diversity amongst their leadership or the fact that they're doing all this without wearing masks. I think it's quite appalling. Terrorists can't get COVID, man. You know? <laughs> facts it was funny uh ian and i were texting last night we were talking about what you know just getting the podcast together for this morning and, <laughs> and i realized something because i was going to agree with you you were like you know man like jake tapper over in, or in, on cnn's done a really good job of, of covering this afghanistan stuff and i was about to i was like yeah you know he kind of has and i'm like wait a minute wait a <laughs> minute he's a journalist he's a journalist you can't just call phone it in for 20 years and <laughs> Just spread Democratic Party propaganda for 20 years and then actually do your job for five minutes. And then we're like, oh, see, he's great. He's great. No, he's not. He just he found his testicles for five seconds. And then probably today he'll be right back on COVID. We just it's just Stockholm syndrome at this point. We've been we've been trained to just expect so little from life that when someone, as I as I said, throws us a cookie into our cage, we're just delighted by it. I know. I know. I hate it, man, because I do it, too. Like, I, I, I want to be like, oh, man, pat it on the back, Jake Tapper. You know, it's like any time a journalist or a celebrity will just say something that isn't insane. You know what I mean? Like, just endorse, <laughs> endorse something that isn't just remarkably evil. We're like, yeah, they're one of us. It's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. My goodness. It, it'll be fun. <laughs> I, it, I, want, I want everybody listening to pay attention. Pay attention after, after Biden's speech. What? What's the press going to do? Are they just going to completely abandon Afghanistan, similar to the Biden White House? Or are they going to actually try to, you know, 
hold hold people's feet to the fire. I don't know. I I'm, I have no confidence in our in our media, but it'll be fascinating. We'll see. We'll see after the speech what they what they go to. Yeah, just give it a few weeks. It'll be back to COVID because really the ultimate goal now is to keep the Santos out of the White House in 2024. That's the that's the ultimate goal. That's the context through which everything will be judged. And so Afghanistan doesn't really fit that narrative. So they'll move on from this as quickly as they can. Yeah, and that's I guess just one more thing before I let you go. It's like I hate that we move on so quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's devastating watching this footage coming out of Kabul. I mean, it's devastating watching these these people clinging to planes, falling to their death, trying to escape the Taliban. And I, I hate that you and I next week are going to be talking about other stuff because we will. We have to. It's our job. right? <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. like we're going to have to cover other things. And it's like it's just knowing that on Monday I'm going to be talking. I, I, I will. I will keep talking about Afghanistan, obviously, but just I feel dirty knowing that I might not even lead the show off on Monday morning with Afghanistan. Like, that's like, ugh. Like, I just, I don't I don't know how to deal with that. You know what I mean? I'm just a, I don't know. You know what I'm getting at? It's like, I, I wish, I wish we didn't have to move on. I wish we could yeah. mourn with these people for longer. But, like, the, the news cycle just doesn't allow for it. It's, you know, it, it makes me sick in a certain way, you know? Oh, yeah, I think you can't really show these people as human beings proper respect because we're suddenly moving on to the next infrastructure bill or the next COVID policy. It's like, meanwhile, these people are still dead or suffering. But as again, you're out of sight, out of mind, unfortunately, for a lot of people. I think really what it comes down to is we've just got to make sure that we're as loud as possible when it matters. So when election time comes around, it's like, hey, this happened because of this guy. Yes. And that's all we can really do on a political level because what else can we do? You know, we, we can have no impact in Afghanistan. It's not like neither a either of us are on the ground or have any real ability to change anything. All we can do is try and stop the person who caused this from maintaining power. Unfortunately, it's a very, very low level thing we can do, but that's all we can do. Unfortunately, when power has such horrible, horrible outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself, Ian. Where can everybody follow you online, read your stuff, keep in touch and all that good stuff. Yeah. So like find me on the daily wire. I'm, I write up there. I'm on the morning wire, which is their new kind of news morning podcast. I'm on that pretty much every day. So you can check me out there. I'm on social media too, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I G H A W O R T H. So yeah, follow me there. And then you can find all my other videos, podcasts, things like that. And I think Brady, you're coming on either next week or the week after onto my podcast. So looking forward to talking about whatever's next in the news then. Absolutely. Can't wait. Everybody uh, subscribe to The Daily Wire. Everybody follow Ian. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.